Hey, what's going on, everybody? I am your host, Armand Lee, and thank you so much for listening in to the Quarterly Report. I say this each week, but I truly mean it. We got a really, really special show for you this week. Brian Mitchell, yes, B. Mitch, the should-be Hall of Famer, is on the show. We're going to be talking about that very subject, the Hall of Fame, and much more. I promise you, you're not going to want to miss that interview. All that plus, as a Knicks fan, I will do the unthinkable, and that is defend Paul Pierce. All that and so much more. But first, the number one topic this week. First quarter. Shout out to John Gruden. My goodness. My goodness. Honestly, you know, last week I gave out, you know, 2018 resolutions. My, for the rest of my life resolution is to play the game the way John Gruden did. John Gruden, do does anyone know if John Gruden is an amazing, is a great head coach? Honestly, and I'm not knocking the Raiders. I'm not knocking John Gruden. I'm not knocking anybody. But honest question, does anybody know if John Gruden is a good head coach? Let alone a head coach who is worth $100 million. Yes, you heard me correct. One hundred million dollars john gruden if you're not aware which i'm sure all of you are after several years several i mean they they came up with the word the term groomers because every time uh there was a major coaching opening john gruden his name would get tossed around in the rumors so they just called it groomers and it happened so frequently but Finally, right after all these big time college and professional jobs came open, John Gruden decided to come back to coaching. And of course, if someone throws you a hundred million dollars, who's going to say no to that? Players don't make a hundred million dollars. And here's the thing. I'm not certain at the time of this recording, all the particulars have not been released yet. So I'm not certain if it's a guaranteed contract, right? But. John Gruden left Oakland in part the first time, right? Because his contract wasn't guaranteed. So it'd be kind of crazy to then woo him out of a cushy, comfortable job that he's very good at, right? Um, That paid well, obviously, to then resort to not having a guaranteed deal. I I don't know. Maybe these, again, I don't know all the particulars. Maybe the details come out. By the time uh, this show airs, uh, but as of this recording, I'm not certain it's guaranteed, but all signs point to it being guaranteed. And again, we're talking football where they don't guarantee the best players. The head coach gets a 10-year, $100 million guaranteed contract. Good Lord. (laughs) And like I said, no one knows if John Gruden is any good. He was amazing the first go-around in Oakland, okay? But the game is completely different. And remember, when he went to Tampa and actually won the Super Bowl, that was a ready-made championship team. I believe they lost in the NFC title game the year prior. You know, it wasn't like Brad Johnson lit up offensive numbers when John Gruden got there. You know, they won primarily because of their defense and running game. And then the subsequent years later, the following years, Tampa wasn't an offensive juggernaut. So remember... John Gruden has one Super Bowl ring. And I'm not knocking Gruden. This is not me kind of sending hate toward him. Again, I don't know if he's a good head coach. But again, think of all the the head coaches who have one Super Bowl ring. Just one. How many of them are getting out? Brian Billick had one head coaching shot. That was it. And he was supposedly an offensive genius as well. Think about this. And again, I am not knocking John Gruden at all. But the similarities between Brian Billick and John Gruden, you know, they're pretty high. Both offensive gurus, they were thought of extremely high, right? Now, Gruden did it in Oakland, right? Oakland had a great uh, team with Rich Gannon, those early 2000 teams before he left, okay? So he had more of a, uh, a tenure as a head coach. But remember, 
maybe one of the before the the Rams, those late ninety Vikings teams. That was those were the the brain. That was the brainchild of Brian Billick. He was an offensive genius. But then they go to a defensive team, and they both win a Super Bowl by basically having game managers. And then they never had that same success after that. Brian Billick never got another head coaching job. <laughs> John Gruden was able to sit out over a decade and then come back to $100 million? He played, man. I don't know if John Gruden is the Kirk Cousins of coaching or if Kirk Cousins is the John Gruden of quarterback play, but those two guys have played the game perfectly. I salute them as a, you know, card-carrying member of being a proud capitalist. They played the game. Make your money, baby. I got no problem with it. I don't know how smart it is from the Raiders' perspective. You know, I don't know if you could just chill out for over a decade and then just come back. And like I said, we don't know how good he was. I mean, when he when when his time was up in Tampa, it wasn't like the Bucks were contending for championships year in and year out. That wasn't the case. You know what I mean? Um. And. Uh, so he was, a, I mean, his status now, he wouldn't have never got $100 million back when he was coaching last. What has he done in the time since to, to bump his price? That's what we have to ask. You know what I mean? And I understand the Raiders, they're looking for a big name. They're moving to Vegas in a, in a few years. They seem to be ready-made, you know. Everybody was ready to call Derek Carr the next great quarterback. I thought that was a little uh, premature two years ago and definitely feel the same way now he's got a huge contract so we don't know we don't know if Carr is the real deal or not amari cooper seemingly just forgot how to catch so and the defense isn't special so we don't know what the raiders are going to be but you know he's got security salute to that man but again think about the guys the the head coaches who won one super bowl you know i brought up Billet, you know, Tony Dungy. Could could Tony Dungy come back? Ask us. That's a perfect question, right? Because Dungy, he he won a Super Bowl. He won one. He was a great head coach. He, in my opinion, he was a better head coach in Tampa than he was with the Colts, despite winning the Super Bowl and in, uh, Indy. You know he. Uh, when he left, he handed to Caldwell, and they were another Super Bowl-ready team. They lost to the Saints. That Colts team did. But, I mean, Tony Dungy left them in a in a perfect situation. Obviously, Peyton Manning <laughs> has a huge part to play in that. But do you think that Tony Dungy – and I'm not trying to say this as – you know, I'm just giving you different coaches. You know, we know Billick couldn't do it. I don't think Tony Dungy could come out of his job at NBC and – get uh, anywhere close to $100 million. I mean, who else? Who else has won one? They were ready to run Sean Payton out of New Orleans like two years ago. Right? He's not getting $100 million his next stop. I mean, you know, it's, it's crazy. Mike Holmgren? <laughs> you know, you think somebody's going to pay him money? Get out of here. Dick Vermeil? None of these guys. None of these guys. Hell, Mike Shanahan won two Super Bowls. He won two Super Bowls. And, you know, he had one bad stop in Washington. He's not getting another shot, nor should he. So, again, man, I have nothing bad to say about John Gruden. I am happy for him. I'm proud of him. Never met him a day in my life. And I'm proud that he was able to finesse the Raiders into paying him $100 million and a gig. In Las Vegas. I mean, think about it. We've. What is it about Raiders head coach? I mean, like we all love John Madden, and I'm not knocking him, but it wasn't like John Madden was Vince Lombardi. You know, and everybody celebrates John Madden like he's the greatest head coach of all time. I mean, before Bill Belichick, right? So maybe you just got to win a little bit in Oakland to be considered. Like something about Oakland that just. Makes people want to celebrate you like you're the, the, the best thing since sliced bread. And whatever, it's all good. I'm not knocking it. But man, you mean to tell me, 10 years, 
a hundred million dollars, and you get to be the very first head coach in in, in for, for Las Vegas. Hey, think about it. He probably just has to get to a Super Bowl when he moves to Vegas before everybody celebrates him. I mean, the bar isn't very high for John Gruden, clearly. And I'm not knocking him for it. I celebrate him. But, man, if you are a Raider fan, I'm sure you're feeling, uh, you know, happy, you know, just for, hey, we're getting this big name back. Whoo. But once that once that little wave of infatuation and, and that, that – jubilant feeling rubs off there are a lot of questions still with john gruden and man i can't wait to see if he can answer any of them i'm not too certain all right guys that was the first quarter thank you for listening we're going to keep things moving but before we get to the second quarter reminder you can tweet at me in the show at quarterly q u a r t e r l e e show and make sure you subscribe to the show on iTunes. All you got to do is go on over to iTunes, look in the podcast directory, search Quarterly Report. Again, that's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E, Report. You'll see the show's icon. Click on that, subscribe, and please rate and review. Let me, let the world know your thoughts on the show. All right, guys, we're going to keep things moving. We're going to basketball next for our second topic this week. Second quarter. I... I'm about to do the unthinkable. Now, if you guys have listened to this show for any amount of time, if you know me, even just the slightest bit, you know that I love the New York Knicks. It is absolutely a character flaw. Unfortunately, because I haven't been able to control this love and devotion to such an awful organization, I have now a beautiful, intelligent, smart, kind, precious little girl who was born into loving the Knicks solely because I do, right? That's something that weighs on my soul every single morning. I I understand. The Knicks are trash. You know, they were, they were, the, the glory years of my life were in the 90s where they could never beat Michael Jordan. The only time they got past the Bulls is when Michael Jordan was playing baseball. But I didn't care. I loved them so much. I mean, I'm talking about through Patrick Ewing missing lay-ins, Reggie Miller scoring seemingly 40 points in two seconds, John Starks taking every shot imaginable in two games, back-to-back, game six and game seven in the NBA Finals. I mean, P.J. Brown body slamming Charlie Ward, the whole team getting suspended. I lived through it all, man. And like I got stripes. Like I have the battle scars. Even though it's a it's an awful relationship. It's a take, a give and take. They take all that I have to give. I love them. I love the Knicks. But I'm gonna do something that probably no Nick fan has ever thought about doing. Right? I'm I'm testing new waters. I'm gonna defend Paul Pierce. If you guys are not familiar. Paul Pierce was on The Jump, an ESPN uh, NBA television show this past week. And on the show, he was discussing how Isaiah Thomas was returning back to basketball, but he wasn't going to play, at least wasn't going to play any meaningful minutes in his second game back. It was the second night of a back-to-back, and it just coincidentally had to be a return to Boston. Isaiah made it perfectly clear you know, that he did not want any type of video tribute that night when he was going to be in Boston with the Cavaliers but not play. Uh, I guess what Isaiah was saying, he wasn't going to play in the game. I think he ended up getting in at the very end, but I'm not certain. Uh, It was a blowout. But his family wasn't going to be there. And, you know, he wanted his family to be able to see the tribute that the Celtics were planning on putting on for him, right? Which, you know, makes sense. You could argue maybe Isaiah Thomas shouldn't be getting a video tribute. I think he only played in Boston for like two and a half seasons. We're talking about the Boston Celtics, right? Where like there's only a handful of numbers that you can play or put on players because they've retired so many. We've got one of the, one of the greatest organizations, sports organizations in North American history. So you could question, you know, and I love Isaiah. This is not a knock on him personally, but you know, 
video tributes and you only played two and a half seasons, eh, you know, I don't know about that. But Paul Pierce, after hearing Isaiah Thomas uh, didn't want a video tribute that night, Paul Pierce does the math in his head and, and realizes that the next time Cleveland plays at Boston, it's going to be the night where the Celtics retire Paul Pierce's number. And Paul Pierce comes on national television and says what, you know, I, I figure anybody in his position would feel. He was like, yo, I don't want them to do a video tribute that night. That night should be about me. Now, I think we all can understand that sounds extremely childish. And I have to say, I took pleasure in seeing social media just go on a killing spree, ripping Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce annoys me to levels that I can't properly articulate, okay? I can't stand Paul Pierce. I, you know, he just, he bothers me, you know? He He's way, he's too good of a player to look like that. You know, like, when Michael Jordan killed us, it was cool because Michael Jordan looked like a supreme athlete and he was the greatest of all time. Reggie Miller, Reggie Miller was more of a pest, right? They beat us like once, maybe two times in the playoffs. It wasn't really anything. Like, they were like the little brothers that, you know, you give them a little noogie, noogie out the way. They may get you in one time, but then you stomp them down every other time. You fight them, right? So it, it was like Reggie was annoying. He didn't bother me like that. Paul Pierce, then he basically took over when the Knicks were bad. So Paul Pierce's reign of hitting crazy shots and buzzer beaters over the Knicks just coincided with the Knicks being so god-awful. So this entire kind of era of bad Knicks basketball, I think of Paul Pierce because he just dominated us every single time we played him, right? So he Bothers me. I, just, I don't like the way he looked. I don't like the fact that his hair didn't grow. Even when he tried to grow it out, he never had a clean shape up. He never had muscle definition. He wasn't fast. He wasn't really strong. He just bothers me, his whole game. So I enjoy everybody killing Paul on you know Twitter that entire, seemingly the next three days. But we got to be honest here, man. It's childish to hear a grown man say, hey, I want this night to myself, you know. But let's keep it funky, man. Paul Pierce, think of, we're talking about the Celtics again. One of the greatest organizations in the history of American sports. How many Celtics are you sure are better than Paul Pierce? Think about that. Now, the obvious names, right, in my opinion, Larry Bird, Bill Russell, um, and Kevin McHale. Kevin McHale was a monster. I love Kevin McHale. I think those three are easily the best three Celtics of all time. You could maybe argue Mikhail, but I wouldn't. So I think those three guys are clearly the best three. After that, what we what we saying? Havlicek, Kuzi. I'll give you Havlicek, but Bob Kuzi. Go back and look at Bob Kuzi's numbers. And yeah, I understand that he was part of all that winning that was going on in Boston, but. I think most of that we could contribute or attribute to Bill Russell, right? Bob Cousy's numbers weren't amazing. And I'm not, I know it's a different era, a different game, honestly. But it's, I don't, I don't know if I can say that Bob Cousy is a better Celtic than Paul Pierce. So, and that, in my opinion, Paul Pierce is one of the five greatest Celtics of all time. Like for whatever reason. And look, again, I can't stand Paul Pierce, but let's not act like Paul Pierce wasn't super nice. And you are homegrown, drafted by the Celtics. He had personal strife. You, that man was stabbed 11 times, came back the next year and had a crazy season. Paul Pierce's level of consistency was amazing. And everybody talks about, you know, the wheelchair game where he got wheeled off and came back five minutes later. Maybe he was a drama queen. Sure. But he was a Boston Celtic, drafted by Boston, won a finals MVP for Boston, went to two NBA finals for Boston, is one of the all-time leaders in like several of Celtics' like statistics. 
he's up there, top three, and most and many of the like high profile ones. So the man deserves, like in this world, right? In this sports world where we devote so much time, energy, and passion, you damn right, Paul Pierce deserves his own night. And I don't think it's crazy, right? Given the circumstance, right? Kobe Bryant had two numbers retired. And this is another thing that I want to get to. I don't like Paul Pierce and I enjoy Kobe Bryant. We talked about this a few episodes ago. And Kobe Bryant, of course, will be looked upon as an all time great, which he is. But there are people who I enjoy. Uh, one guy in particular, Nick Wright. And he was talking about how Kobe and Paul Pierce aren't on the same level. And I'm thinking, come on, bro. Yes, Kobe has all of the rings. Paul Pierce never played with Shaq, okay? I like Kobe. I think Kobe is, is a better player than Paul Pierce. But to say, like, Paul Pierce is one of the top 80 players of all time and Kobe's a top 10, come on, Slim. And that's what a lot of people were going with. Like, I get it. Kobe Bryant will be looked upon better historically than Paul Pierce would. And most of it is because of rings and all the points. But their games were very similar. In fact, Paul Pierce was, and I'm not going to say he was better than Kobe, but their games rival each other, okay? I'll put it like that. So if nobody would ever think to do a video tribute for Kobe, they gave him two numbers. So we're going to say that Paul Pierce has to share that night with a guy who only played two and a half seasons? That doesn't make any sense, man. I relish. I love the fact that Paul Pierce is getting heat from all aspects. I love it. I do. I can't stand that man's game. But we got to stop faking here, man. Paul Pierce is a Celtic legend. Absolutely a Celtic legend. In my opinion, one of the five greatest players in Boston Celtics history. If that man can't get his own night, unless you Larry Bird or Bill Russell, nobody deserves their own night for that team then. Honestly. Wait, we just because he couldn't dunk, he couldn't jump, all this other stuff, man. Paul Pierce was a problem. He broke my heart more than more times than I care to remember. And if the Celtics decide to even even in the slightest take away from Paul Pierce's night, especially given the fact that he has gone on national television and said that he doesn't want it. Come on, man. Isaiah Thomas is but a pawn in the grand scheme of Boston, Boston Celtics uh, legends. He doesn't he doesn't make the list. And if one of the greatest players in your team's organization's history has a problem with it, you make the proper adjustments. Now, now that I got that off my chest, please go back to making fun of Paul Pierce because he truly is an awful human being. And I'm saying that knowing nothing about this man's personal life. He's just awful because he beat the Knicks so many times. And anybody who does that can't be a good human being. All right, guys, you heard the horn. Again, I just did the unthinkable from a Knicks perspective, a Knicks fan perspective. I'm going to jump in the shower real quick, wash myself. But while I do that, you know it's time for halftime, right? Each week, we break up the quarters as your favorite games in the NFL and basketball often do. Between the two quarters, we have a halftime to kind of break up the monotony, some fun topics, some fun things, and even some personal advice. And that's what we're going to do here this week as we're going to the quarterly report hotline, bling, where your favorite sports personalities, sometimes even entertainment personalities, celebrities, call in to the hotline, and I give them some of the best advice around, all free of charge. So without further ado, take a listen to this week's Halftime, the quarterly report hotline. Button. Welcome to the quarterly report call center, where I try to solve some of your biggest problems. First caller, what's your name and where you're from? Hey, my name is Jalen from Tuscaloosa. Thanks for taking my call. No problem, bro. So uh, how's the new year treating you so far? Well, see, that's just it. I should be super excited. I'm at school and my team just won a championship. So what's the problem? Well, we only won because a freshman came in to replace me. I don't know what I should do moving forward. Should I stay?
stay in school here or should I go someplace else? Well, in the legendary words of iconic Senator Clay Davis, you better get your ass up out of Alabama, boy. That is, if you want to play. I know you may really love your school and you got a lot of friends, have some roots down there now, but unless you have no problem riding the pine, it's time for you to get your ass up out of there. More or less, it's time for you to roll. Roll Tide. Your spot has been taken, Slim. All right, there's one satisfied listener. We've got time for one more call. Call up what's your name, where you from, and what's your problem? Hi, this is Bill from Foxborough. First time, long time. Love the show. Did you earlier say that John Gruden is getting a $100 million contract? Yes, I sure did. It's amazing, huh? Amazing, considering I've beaten his ass before in big games. I should be getting more. I'm widely considered the greatest coach ever, and my boss is starting to get on my nerves. Gruden is getting that kind of money, plus my work situation in New England is starting to crack. Do you think it's time for me to move on? Hmm. It's kind of tough for me to say you should leave without fully knowing just how toxic your current environment is. However, it's always good to know how much you're worth, right? And if someone who you are clearly better than has set the market to the tune of $100 million, well, playing the field is probably your best bet. I'm not saying you gotta leave Foxborough, but look around, evaluate your options, especially if you're not happy with the way things are currently going at your, your current position. You know, they say winning cures all ills, right? But you also know what does? Money or the threat of you leaving. So assess the situation, assess the environment, play your field. You know, you've got options and having options is always a great thing. But they say if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And if you can endure having some problems while still winning and being wildly successful, the best bet may be at staying right where you're at. The grass ain't always greener. All right, guys, that's my time this week. Hopefully, I've been able to give you some great advice and to cure some of your biggest and deepest issues. This is the Hotline Bling for the Quarterly Report Call Center. We'll see you back right here in a few weeks. Seriously, if John Gruden is worth $100 million over 10 years, how much is Bill Belichick if he was like, I want a 10-year contract as well? Like how much would that deal be? And think about it. Like that's some that's great leverage if you are Belichick, right? The report that ESPN came out with last week was that you know people close to Belichick at least have reportedly they've heard from Bill himself that he is contemplating leaving New England because of you know Robert Kraft meddling with the uh, player dynamics, obviously forcing a Jimmy Garoppolo trade. Again, this is all reportedly. Uh, but if you are Belichick, right, and John Gruden just sets the market at a 10 years, $100 million, if Belichick was decided to leave, I mean, think about it. And, and he was like, I want full control because that's how he likes to do things. He's got the, the resume. If you're the Giants, would you do that? Like, what would you, what would you offer Belichick? And, and the crazy thing is, right, the team, the team who has – you know, the most to give in terms of not ever questioning Belichick at all would be the Browns. However, we know about the history between Belichick and Cleveland. But if you're the Browns, open up the pay, you open up the paycheck. It's like whatever you want and you can have full control. That's a way that, that would, you know, re-energize your fan base. You got two picks in the top four of the upcoming draft. I mean, again, there's obviously bad blood in the in the ESPN piece last week, I guess <laughs> it was reported that Belichick would, he would, it'd be a cold day in hell. I forget how they phrased it, but there was no way he was going to trade Garoppolo to Cleveland because of the history between he and the Browns organization. So, you know, that's not going to happen. But if, you know, money, Ted DiBiase said it, man, you know, money change. Everybody's got a price. Everybody's got a price. Belichick's price is pretty high, I'm assuming. To, to mend those uh, burnt bridges. But, you know, if it's not Cleveland, which it won't be, but if you're the Giants, right, or if you're any team who's even con contemplating a coaching change, right? You know, Pete Carroll's talking about maybe he leaves Seattle 
after this past season. Is he doing Seattle a solid, being like, hey, you know what, I'll wait and see what happens with Bill? Probably not. But still, if you're any team in the league, obviously, you make a move. The Colts? Sheesh. You know, so it's interesting. Belichick, it seems like he has all the leverage he would ever need, right? And I'd be curious, I'm sure all of you are as well, as to whether or not he returns back to New England. But I just can't see him leaving, you know? They're winning every year, every year. Why would you leave? All right, guys, that was halftime. We're going to keep the show moving forward now. As I welcome in a very special guest to the show, we're going to talk all things NFL, starting with the Hall of Fame, my guy, Brian Mitchell. Third quarter. My next guest needs no introduction, but I'm going to give him one anyway. He, in my opinion, is the best special team player in the history of the entire NFL. He has the second most total yards in NFL history, only behind Jerry Rice. He's the host of Inside the Locker Room on ESPN 980. If you're in the D.C. area, if not, go to ESPN980.com. And he's also co-host of Redskins 100 on NBC Sports Washington. My guy, y'all all know him, Brian Mitchell. B. Mitch, what's going on, bro? What's up, my man? How you doing, man? Hey, man, I'm chilling, bro. Thank you so much for joining me this week. And, uh... We're going to get started with the elephant in the room. You know, obviously, a few weeks ago, they uh, announced the finalist for this year's Pro Football Hall of Fame. And look, man, we don't need a fake. Everybody knows you deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. You know you deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Um, but whether it's with you, we saw it with Art Monk. Uh, I mean, hell, you see it with T.O., maybe even with Randy Moss. There's something wrong with the way we do the Hall of Fame voting in all sports, but specifically to this conversation, pro football. As someone who's played, obviously, and who's had a successful career in the media, I'm curious as to what do you think is the problem and what is the solution in terms of fixing how we vote and allow and induct players into the Hall of Fame? Well, I think uh, you have too many people that have too much power and they don't really completely know the football game. Uh, every uh, Sunday, every Monday, whenever there's a football game going on, you have coaches in the locker room prior to a game discussing the three phases of uh, special, of, uh, of football. And right. I think you need to represent all three phases. And I don't think when you look at it, the Hall of Fame is not a representation of total football. It's a right. representation of quarterbacks and receivers and running backs and defensive ends, and you have a lot of people that get left out of it. Uh, you look at the last class, many people felt that Terrell Davis shouldn't have gone that quick, or Kirk Warner shouldn't have gone that quick. But, you know, they're all in the media now, and we can also see that the media entities seem to have some type of push with it. Uh, right. for, for me, you know, I think you, you're going to always have people that hold grudges, and I think as soon as people notice that those guys are doing it like that, they should pull them out of it. Put right. somebody that can be uh, have a less biased opinion. And for me, you know, I, I watched I watched Terrell Owens, and I've already seen the stuff formulating as to why he shouldn't be. But right. The Hall of Fame is about what you did on the football field. You know, if we really want to be correct, there are people in the Hall of Fame that were druggies and did everything else under the sun, had criminal, had some criminal records and things on their on their, but they're not pulling them out. So right. why all of a sudden now you want to hinder somebody because maybe. They didn't give you the interview you wanted at the time, or maybe they didn't act exactly like you acted. But you got to realize people come from different backgrounds, and most people in, people in the media that are writing about a lot of guys that come up for the Hall of Fame, they wouldn't understand for one bit in the imagination what those guys have to go through to get to the point where they were. So, and I think how, how you change it, I think you got to get some, and I understand that if you say fresh blood, yeah, you need some fresh blood in it. But those people that are coming up in this day and age, if they don't understand the history of football and the history of the game of football, why should they be voting? There are guys right now who are voting that can't tell you who the hell did what in 1990. Right. And that's a problem to me. And I don't think you have to be old to understand the history of a game. You just have to be astute and be somebody that knows how to research and figure it out. You said it perfectly. Uh, It doesn't matter your age. You know what I mean? Like you could be a young guy, but if you genuinely care and are astute and you're and diligent in your research and how you understand the game, 
that's really all that matters. I mean, you know, to take it to another level, you know, when you and other players uh, started playing football, everyone knew it's dangerous, but no one knew how dangerous it is. You know, now you can, you're losing some of your mind when you're playing this game. You're putting that at least at stake. So, you know, you, when, when writers do the, these little silly and petty games, it takes not just from them and the credibility of the institution, but in the game itself, it makes everyone look bad. I know, and I think when I look at the Art Monk situation, I would think, you know, in my, I've been around football now since 1998, professional football. Right. And the classiest guy I've met in my life that had anything to do with football was Art Monk. Right. You know, people like to say who they feel was classy, but I'm telling you, he was a straight, classy guy. He was very, very shy. He was very quiet. So right. when Art didn't talk or didn't say something, it wasn't that Art was trying to be, you know, uh, spiteful or, or do anything against someone. He was just, that's who, that's who he is. He's yeah. a very shy person. He didn't talk to us very much in the locker room, but whenever he talked, we knew he really had something to say. So he like they say, when he had something to speak, you better listen. So when Art right. spoke, everybody listened. And I think <laughs> that's the whole thing about it, that these media types, you know, that, that have this, this power now, First of all, why do they have the power? I don't understand that. Exactly. How many, how many of them get that power completely? I think you need to ask some some players and some coaches and some broadcasters that were really there doing this instead of just the beat reporters that normally they cover their team. And yeah. if you don't play against their team, they don't know a damn thing about you. You know, so it took art forever. He, he retired from football. He was number one in yards. He was a class act. Whenever you needed that first down, Art Monk got it. He never got in any trouble. But still, people held grudges because they say he didn't talk to the media. Yeah. You know, they then he had certain media people that claimed that, well, you know, they didn't game plan for him. Well, they, did they talk to the defensive coordinators of the other teams that they right. sure game plan for him? Did they talk to people that say he could, you could be covering him, be all over him, but he still catches football? So it just shows you that, you know, and I, I hear it today, and you hear it. Everybody yep. talk about how they watch film. Does most media people even know how to watch film? Right. Looking at basically, they're looking at TV. They're not watching film because if you're really watching film, you take one play, and it could take you damn near thirty minutes or more to watch that one play because you got to dissect what everyone is doing to figure it out. So I don't right. think they really watch film. They just glance at it and turn it on to be able to say something. But every time I hear somebody say that, I ask simple little questions, and I never can get that answer because they don't know what they're looking at. Once again, guys, I'm joined by the great Brian Mitchell, B. Mitch. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's at B. Mitch Live NBCS. Obviously, you guys know he's the second all-time in NFL history in total yards. He's also the host of Inside the Locker Room on ESPN 980, Monday through Friday at 1 through 4, and he's co-host of Redskins 100 on NBC Sports Washington. So you can catch him on so many different platforms. Make sure you check him out. All right, B-Mitch, so we talked about the Hall of Fame, but the question I really wanted to ask you is this. Uh, I don't know if everyone knows this, but you played college quarterback, uh, obviously, when you were in college, and you were a damn good one. But, you know, when you came to the pros, they made you switch positions, you know, to get drafted. And, look, I'm not one of these guys who thinks that, you know, I can evaluate, you know, a player and how they project, like, evaluating college quarterbacks and how they project to be in the professional ranks, I know that's incredibly tough. Uh, in fact, the only time I've ever been confident that a college quarterback was going to play well was last year with Deshaun Watson, and we saw what he had to go through um, during the whole process, the drafting process, and he was the third quarterback taken. Um, and that leads me to my main point. Like, you saw it with Deshaun Watson. You saw it with Cam Newton. You saw it with Teddy Bridgewater. All three of these guys play different styles. And now you're seeing it with Lamar Jackson. As someone, like I said, who is a part of the media, but also lived it as a college quarterback who had to change positions, how does it make you feel when you see uh, an extremely successful college quarterback being told before he ever even plays a down in the pros in Lamar Jackson? that he can't play this position. He won't be able to uh, play the college or play the professional ranks as a quarterback. Well, you know, it, it, it basically, it, it, 
it touches on the topic of everyone that always say that racism doesn't live anymore, and, and right. obviously that it does, because what you what you're seeing Lamar Jackson doing is no different than the quarterback from Oklahoma. Absolutely. Okay? They are both guys who are passionate. They're both guys who are athletic. Lamar is probably more athletic than him. They both have very good arms. I think Lamar Jackson has become a much better quarterback over the last three years. Uh, he was told that he had to become a better pocket passer and run only when necessary, and that's what he did. He, right. he became better in the pocket. He did everything he was told to do. But when you think back, okay, Lamar Jackson right now won the Heisman, unbelievable mm-hmm. player, but he's 25 million times better than what Tim Tebow was, but everybody pushed him as a great quarterback. <laughs> Why? Because Tim Tebow, they felt, was a great human being. And listen, I have no problem saying that, you know what, when I look at a Tim Tebow, I love what I see because that's a young man who's been through a lot. He was able to keep his head on his shoulder in the proper way. Right. He's a great dude. You know, he's a God-fearing man. But he's not a good quarterback. Okay? Absolutely. When you begin to judge people in in a professional sport, you judge them based on how good they can play football, not not good of a person they are. And whenever I hear people knock people like, you know, a a, a Cam Newton and a a Lamar Jackson and a Deshaun Watson, it has – and when I begin to break it down, the only thing I see is their skin tone. You know, and, and that's it. And I think and we, as African Americans, we, we we have to be careful with that because we begin to allow ourselves to think based on what we hear others see. Others Absolutely. Say, you know, and I think those others are normally, they doubt it and they knock it. I don't think there are many quarterbacks that came out in 1990 that were more intelligent than I was. Right. You know, I, and I don't think many of them were that good. Like, they told me, well, you know, your height. Okay, well, I'm taller than Doug Flutie. I was able to throw the ball as long and as good as anybody else out there. But I understood what the game was. But, you know, my goal and my my dream was to play in the NFL. I never said I had to play quarterback in the NFL. Now, if I was 6'3", 6'4", they'd have a problem trying to move me to another uh, position, (laughs) you know. But I understood it. And now that I see people still discussing those type of things, when I look at the NFL now, you have 32 teams. And I would say that you have maybe 14 legitimate quarterbacks. Right. A lot of those guys are backups. Yep. Some of them shouldn't even be a backup, but they're starting in the league. Why? Because the league has they typecast people. Let's think about this. Uh, uh, I played in the NFL for 14 years. Mm-hmm. I had over 14,000 kick return yards, right? 4,999 punt return yards. But you know there were people that said that I wasn't a typical return man. Well, ain't nobody else got more yards than me. Right. You know, so they were basically saying I was, you know, I was not uh, quick enough to be a good punt returner, and I might have not been, you know, fast enough, that's their thoughts, to return kickoffs. That's so what I did for 14 years. A lot right. of times it, you have to stop looking at what you think a person is supposed to look like. Elvis Dumerville, 5'11", 245 pounds. Hell, right. I'm 5'10 and a half, and I weighed 254 in August, so I was just as big as he was. Right. He's rushing against guys that are six six, and he's he had almost twenty sacks in one year. Yep. Why? Because he can play football, not because he's a prototypical size. And that's the problem with the NFL. That's the problem with the coaches. That's the problem with a lot of these GMs. That's the problem with a lot of the people in the media. They they all think a guy has to be a certain weight to be a very good football player. When there are guys time again that steps up and they completely are opposite of what they think they're supposed to be, and they have far more success and better performance than the other guys ever do. So I think people need to get their heads out their butts and start to realize what you see. Stop judging things on what you think and judge about what you see. And I think that'll change up the mindset of many people out there. Once again, guys, I'm joined by my guy, B. Mitch. He's second all-time in NFL history in total yards. He's also the host of Inside the Locker Room on ESPN 980. If you're in the D.C. area, check that out Monday through Friday, 1 through 4 p.m. Also, he's the co-host of Redskins 100, along with my guy Chick Hernandez and J.P. Finley, a former guest of the show. Make sure you check that out on NBC Sports Washington. And um, sticking with the burgundy and gold, this will be my final question to you. Uh, The Kirk Cousins situation, it has been... I don't know if I have the words for it. It's been wild the past four or five years. Um, even just trying to explain it to people outside of the area, it's it's difficult, at least for me, just for them to properly understand just how chaotic the whole thing has been. But 
season is over, and once again, the term, the long-term contract uh, discussion has reared its head uh, in Ashburn. So my question to you, someone who knows the team inside and out, what do you think is the best uh, outcome for Kirk and for the Burgundy and Gold? To be totally honest, I think best for both uh, entities, Kirk and the Redskins, is that Kirk stays here. Mm. Okay? And the reason I say that is because Kirk Cousins has been in the NFL since 2012. Okay? Yep. You're talking about six years. He's been yep. on in this uh, – with this team, he's been here with this coach who gave, who came in and said, you're my quarterback. Right. Who didn't care the fact that they gave up all them first-round draft picks for Robert, and he went with them. Because you know, everybody was talking about, well, Kirk may go to the Rams. He may go to, to San Francisco. My whole mindset was none of those guys started him. Jay started him. Right. So if you have any, any like, you know, you owe somebody something, it would be Jay Gruden. And I think when you look at the Redskins, the Redskins have had this issue year after year after year, changing quarterbacks, changing coaches. They need to have some consistency. They need right. to have some continuity. And I think the fact that, listen, is Kirk Tom Brady? No, ain't nobody Tom Brady. Right. You, got, you got three or four tops elite quarterbacks in the NFL. Tom, right. Drew, Aaron Rodgers, and, you know, we can we – can, some days it may be Roethlisberger. Some days it may be Matt Ryan. Some right. days it may be Russell Wilson. But you have three of them that are legit. Then the rest of them aren't. You have, right. like I said earlier, you have anywhere from 12 to 13 legitimate quarterbacks. Kirk Cousins is one of those guys in the league. And I yep. understand he throws interceptions. But you know why his interceptions are so magnified? Are magnified? Because he's on a one-year deal. There's no guarantee in him. And then he's in D.C. where any little quarterback makes, we're going to blow it <laughs> right. out of the court. I think the quarterback is more scrutinized than the president. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't understand how that could be. <laughs> but, you know, the guy is very good. And I think what you, what you have to realize is watch and, and, and his year this year this, for the team wasn't great. But I look at the fact that you got rid of these two 1,000-yard receivers. You brought in right. two guys that you expected to step up. Josh, uh, Docs started to play a little bit later in the season. But, you know, right. Terrell, Terrell Park never showed up. Right. Okay? Uh, then when you look at uh, Kirk, he went into the season, okay, I got Jordan Reed. Well, he didn't have Jordan Reed. He was hurt for right. the damn time. Uh, he had to use uh, uh, Vernon Davis. You know, Vernon, they, they call him Father Time. Father Time was your best, was your top receiver. Your top receiver. Threat. Then you right. Chris Thompson, who was playing well. Then when Chris got hurt, there's nothing there now. They had all these different running backs coming in. He had four offensive linemen out of the game at one point. You know, he had guys he signed on Wednesday, Thursday, they bring him in. But he was still putting up numbers. Yeah. So as I look at it, you have a guy who's already proven he can play the position. And instead of, like like what you saw happen to him in the last game, it is typical mm. football. Yeah. It's my last game. I have to show something. Okay, damn, this person is hurt now. That person is hurt. Oh, I'm not getting no blocking. I got to force things. And when you right. force, what happens? You even make a, make a mistake. But if, if Kirk had a four- or five-year deal and made those mistakes and it wasn't a question of, he may not be next year, maybe you can, some of that noise comes down. So right. I think it will be both. It'll be best for both of them because uh, he, he's going to get paid. I mean, he's been paid for this over the last two years. He'll yep. still make his money going forward. Uh, if they sign him to a long-term deal, they can manipulate it where the salary cap numbers in the first year, two years for sure, maybe three years, is not as high as even $24 million. So that means they can go and sign some more people. And the fact that they the, – I think the what I've heard is the salary cap may be around $179 million next year. They have $108 million tied up into next year, which is $71 million. I'm sure they're going to renegotiate some other contracts. Some other guys may not be – may get released. You never know. But ultimately, they can have about eighty something million dollars. That they, if they can't sign a quarterback, him. If you're going right. to sign somebody better than him, you got to pay more money than him. Right. <laughs> you know. So if you right. can't sign a quarterback and still put together a team, because when we look at this team in the first four to five games last year, this year, uh, 2017, they seem to be a team that's going to be better than we thought they were going to be. Right. So you need a few pieces. You don't need to make an overhaul. You go make an overhaul, and you take your steps back. And that's been the Redskins' MO for the last, you know, 
17, 18 years. They need right. to change that and try to keep some of what you have and move forward. Y'all heard it there, man. That's B Mitch. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's at B Mitch Live NBCS. Again, he's second all time in NFL history in total yards. Should be in the Hall of Fame. He's also the host of Inside the Locker Room on ESPN 980. Check it out if you're in the DC area, Monday through Friday, one through four, and and on NBC Sports Washington. Check him out as he co-host Redskins 100 alongside Chick Hernandez and JP Finley. B Mitch, man, thank you so much for joining me this week on the Quarterly Report. Anytime, my mind. Call me whenever. All right, guys. So we're three quarters down. We're going to finish up strong with our final topic this week. Fourth quarter. You just finished hearing B. Mitch and I discuss Kirk Cousins. And this past week, like I said, if you are not from this area, the Kirk Cousins entire uh, situation is just straight out of, like, a comedy playbook. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just theater of the mind. Like, it's so bizarre. But this past week, or last week, I should say, he he's doing his interview, a post-season you know season interview with two radio show hosts in the area at a local like coffee shop or something. And leading up to the actual interview, one of the uh, radio hosts or the, the team's, the station's like team reporter was on the, the show and he was talking about, you know, I know Kirk Cousins and where he ends up deciding to play next season, it's not going to be based on the money. Like money, he doesn't care about the money. Money doesn't matter. And I literally screamed at the radio. I can't stand when people, and this is like a a, a well, like a, a large cliche, a large kind of narrative that plays out in the media, especially when it comes to athletes, that, you know, there's certain athletes who don't care about the money. The money is not the biggest uh, factor. And to that, we welcome back my homeboy, Angry Man, from one of my favorite television shows of all time. And for those of you who are new to the program, thank you for listening. You know, this is the 39th episode, but I bring in Angry Man. You know, he's a character from Martin. And Angry Man, you know, he only had, he was like a reoccurring character. Didn't have a a large role in the series. But every time Angry Man said something, he only said these five words. And those five words were, Man, sit your ass down. Man, sit your ass down. When I hear people talk about how athletes don't care about the money, number one, number one, who cares, right? I say this time and time again, I love be, I love being in a capitalist society, right? We can make money how we, we see fit, okay? If you excel at something, if there is a market for what you do, you can cash in. You can make as much money as you want. And in my opinion... That's a great thing. Why not? So why should we fault athletes who make money to take as much money as they possibly can? Think about it. And the the thing that bothers me the most is when people who cover these athletes, right? The people who, who, who are upset the most sometimes at how much an athlete makes, makes a living off of covering these athletes. So these athletes are exceptional at their profession, but they're so good at what they do, they have made it, oh, they have made a way, they have cleared a path that there's all these other professions based solely off of talking about what these athletes do. You feel me? Like, if the athlete is overpaid, then everybody you hear, my see on television, read, okay, all, everybody else is overpaid. There's a reason why these reporters, they, they're not talking about, you know, public transit or the roads. You know what I mean? They're not writing for your the metro section in your local paper. You feel me? They're not talking about, you know, the superintendents at the public schools and the school conditions. Topics that obviously are far more important. All these reporters who talk about the salaries of these athletes who are making six figures easy. On television and on radio, the the successful ones, many of them making millions of dollars annually. If you ever hear someone complain about what athletes make, think to yourself, if those athletes weren't making that money, what would you be doing? 
Because that again, there's a reason they're not covering, you know, community outreach, you know, on in, in your local neighborhoods. They're covering sports because sports is a big business, and the only reason sports is a big business is because people care. If there are no athletes to play these sports, you wouldn't care. So to the people who talk about the greedy athlete, they got to sit their ass down first and foremost. But then when we get to people who say, oh, well, yeah, I know Kirk Cousins or I know John Gruden and it's not about the money for him. Number one, you're perpetuating this idea that athletes or coaches or celebrities in any profession are greedy for maximizing you know, their earning potential. So that's dumb. <laughs> you feel me? Like, there's no eloquent way I can say that. That's stupid. You like slap yourself in the face if you're one of those people because I can't stand that. Okay? You wouldn't ask anyone else, no matter the profession, I don't care how much money they make, to take less to do something. Because trust and believe, if you take less, the person who is paying you, they're not going to ask you to do less. They still are going to expect you to, to provide whatever service you can at the best of your ability. They're not going to say, okay, I, you gave us a, a home team discount, so I'm going to give you a home team. You know, I'm going to decrease my expectation of what you should be doing. Get out of here. So, yeah, Kirk Cousins. I salute you. Get as much money as you can. But don't tell me that Kirk Cousins doesn't care about the money. Because if he didn't, he'd go to Denver. Right? Denver has an amazing defense. And if Denver can sign him, Kirk Cousins, I think they, they put themselves as a legitimate contender for the AFC. Right? But for Denver to sign Kirk Cousins to the deal that he wants, they're going to have to make some tough decisions about releasing players on their defense. And if you do that, Denver as a threat becomes less, right? Because in theory, Denver is a perfect spot because they have a great defense and they need a quarterback who can be productive. But if Kirk doesn't care about the money, I just go sign for Denver and tell John Elway, don't release anybody on your defense if it's not about the money. That's so stupid. Of course it's about the money. If it wasn't about the money, Kirk Cousins wouldn't have been upset at an offer Washington made a few years ago where he reportedly felt disrespected. You want to know why he felt disrespected? Because they didn't offer him enough money. It absolutely is about the money, as it should be. But don't talk to me about, oh, it's not about the money for Kirk. I got so mad when this guy said this on the radio. And full disclosure, this is a guy I follow on Twitter. I, I'm not, I, I don't dislike him at all, right? He knows the stuff, it seems to be. you know. But when he said that, I was like, bro, shut up. Stop, and there, and it's not just him. There are a lot of guys, whether it's about cousins or other athletes or coaches that people are fond about, right? That they care about. Notice how that always works. Like if they like the player, oh, it's never about the money. If they don't like the player, oh well, he could he could be a little bit more team friendly and take a team friendly deal and sacrifice a little bit. It's not you know when you make that much money, you know who who cares about another five to ten million dollars? Man, okay. Shut up. All of you, anybody who thinks like that, shut up. I'll put it to you like this. If Aaron Rodgers was a free agent, Aaron Rodgers, we've seen it firsthand this season with essentially the same team. Last year, the Packers go to the conference championship. This year, Green Bay doesn't make the playoffs. And the biggest reason is Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers was a free agent and Aaron Rodgers wanted to, wanted to, Signed the, to the biggest, to, to the highest bidder. I tell him, go ahead, do it, and not to take a single dime less than you can, because he's worth it. In the in the dynamic in the in the dynamics that we have, right, where we spend so much time, so much energy, focused on sports in our society, then yeah, he's worth it, right? Supply and demand. Whether it's LeBron, LeBron will be a free agent, and I love LeBron for this. Don't cut these guys any slack. Sign as much as you possibly can. Because I wouldn't, I wouldn't ask an IT operator, you know, an, an, an engineer, you know, a teacher. I wouldn't ask any person to take less than what they possibly can make for fear of being called greedy. That's stupid. N nobody would. 
So perpetuating this idea of the greedy athlete because they want to maximize their earning potential. I can't stand it, man. Shout out to Darrell Revis. That's my man. He got every last dime as he could. He played the system and you know, he's on his way out. He even got money this year. Shout out to Darrell Revis. Shout out to John Gruden, Kirk Cousins, all these guys. Make your money. You understand? Because believe it, when you aren't good enough to play your respective sport or coach, that money's not coming back. You know, Darrell Revis will never make the same amount of money as he made the last 10 years in the rest of his life. Kirk Cousins will not make this the money that he's made over the last three plus seasons and what he'll make this upcoming uh, offseason. He'll never make that type of money ever again in his life. And he's a young man. He's 30 years old. Get as much money as you can and stop it with the whole, oh, man, it's not about the money for Kirk. You a damn lie. Or just stupid. Probably both. And think about it. The idea of the, the, the team-friendly deal, right? It's, just, it's dumb on a number of levels. But let's look at some recent, you know, players who have took the quote-unquote team-friendly deal and looked at how they've been finessed. They've been... I mean, they've been played to be a sucker. Dirk Nowitzki is one of my favorite players in the history of the NBA. I love Dirk. Dirk is one of the greatest players of this generation and one of the best players ever. They win a championship, which, you know, seems like forever ago now. But in reality, what, it was six years ago, seven years ago? I guess eight, seven years ago now. And, you know, the only championship Dallas has ever won, the Mavericks. And then, you know, a few years later, his contract is up and Mark Cuban gets him to take less so the team can build around him and give him another championship run. And Dirk does. And it's not a coincidence that each time Dirk takes less, Dallas spends more money on bad players and the Mavericks lose more and more games. So Dirk over the last six or seven years has been taking less money and winning less games. And he's taking less money to do the team a favor. Yet they're not producing on their end. You understand? So Dirk has lost, I don't know how many millions of dollars over the last seven seasons while losing, I don't know how many games. And what does he have to show for it? He's got the one ring. Right? Dirk had, Dirk had like at least two to three more top years after that championship window, after that, I'm sorry, that championship they won. Who knows if they could have gone back to back or at least have gone back to the finals. But the team, the team failed. And when, when star players take the home team discounts, you are basically taking the team, the general manager, the front office, you're letting them off the hook. You absolutely can pay players and still have a good team around them. Okay? Look at Golden State. Golden State was able to do it. But Dirk has, to, Dirk has to take less money while the Warriors are adding Kevin Durant. Think about that. <laughs> you understand? And Tim Duncan was the same way. The Spurs got Tim Duncan to take less money. Now, the difference between the Spurs and the Mavericks is that the Spurs were somehow able to get Indiana to trade them Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> That's the only reason the Spurs started winning again. Right Before Kawhi Leonard got to San Antonio, they got bumped in the first round. Tim Duncan started taking less money. It wasn't like the Spurs were signing big-time free agents with the money that Tim Duncan didn't take. Who was the Spurs' big-time free agent? It wasn't anybody. The only thing that changed is that San Antonio was able to draft Kawhi Leonard, and boom, right? Kawhi Leonard's second season there in the NBA Finals. I think his third season, he's Finals MVP. <laughs> you know what I mean? And Tim Duncan, you know, I'm sure he's happy he won. And yeah, he's not going to be hurting. But if Tim Duncan took $10 million less on a contract, that's still $10 million that Tim Duncan's not going to get. And whether we're talking $10 million, $100,000, or $10,000, none of us, relative to whatever wage we get, would take anything less than what we can, what is the maximum amount of money that we can earn. Why would you? The only guy I can think of who took less is Tom Brady. Like Tom Brady has made a career off of taking less, but his situation is completely different. He's married to one of the 
most famous models in the world, no matter how much money Tom Brady gets from Robert Kraft, he will always, always be second in terms of earning money in his own household. Right? So he was able to flip the system. Like his wife will always be wealthier than him. There's there's no there's no contract available to Tom Brady that would even put him close to his wife. So you might as well, in that case, do what's best for winning, right? If money's not an object to you, okay, fine. So the only person who has credibility to me in terms of taking less for the quote-unquote team is Tom Brady. But his circumstances are completely different. Everybody else, if you don't take as much money as you can, I'm going to look at you like you're stupid. Like, why would you do that? You have a job to perform. Your organization has a job to put the best cast around you if you're a superstar player. So radio personalities, TV hosts, analysts, fans, stop with this whole, oh, he should take less for the team. No, he shouldn't. You shouldn't take less for your, your, from your employer to hire more people. And if, and if your employer actually got you to take less, I'm going to look at you like you stupid. <laughs> man, sit your ass there. Yeah, bring every man back. Because, again, let's, it's the new year. Let's do away with this idea of players being greedy for maximizing their earning potential. Because we wouldn't do it, right? Don't ask other people to do stuff that you wouldn't ask of yourself, right? Angry man, holla at these people one more time. Man, sit your ass down. Man, sit your ass down. All right, guys. That's the show this week. Thank you so much for checking in. Thanks again to Brian Mitchell, B. Mitch, for joining the show. I hope you guys enjoyed the interview. I really did. Before we go, guys, make sure to email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E, -E, report at gmail.com. Next week is another edition of Stoppage Time. So I will be answering some of your questions on email. So let me know. If you want to tweet at me, we're at Quarterly Show, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E -E Show on Twitter. So tweet at me. Uh, let me know what you're thinking. Let me know what you think of the show or anything that may be on your mind. Also, subscribe to the show on iTunes. We're at Quarterly Report. Again, you just type in Quarterly Report, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E -E, Report at iTunes in the, I, in the podcast directory. You'll see the show. Click on it. Rate and review it. Let me know what you think. Let the world know what you think of the show as well. And we're on Instagram, guys. I'm doing a real fun concept. I'm comparing the favorite characters from my favorite show, The Wire, to the best players in the NBA. We're having fun with that. But we're also doing some stuff where you can hear some behind-the-scenes interviews from the, uh, the guests each week and some other stuff. Commentary on sports and culture, music, movies, television, the whole nine. Check the site out. Check Instagram. We're at Quarterly Report over there as well. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. We'll see you back here next week with another episode of the Quarterly Report.